welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 137th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 529th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, September 5th, 2019. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms, and let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that's with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. The big news for IU this week was a commitment of Jordan Geronimo, and while we'll break down his game a bit later in the show, my banner moment came from Geronimo's interview with Dylan Wallace, one of our new interns that we're sharing again this season with Inside the Hall. In the interview, which I definitely recommend everybody check out, Dylan asked, what should Indiana fans expect of you? What are you hoping to bring to the program? Geronimo's answer was was the banner moment for me. A whole lot of energy on the defensive end and or on the defensive and offensive end. First and foremost, I'm a defensive player. I love shutting people down. I love blocking shots, getting steals, and doing other stuff to get a stop on the possession. People best believe in a game I will bring the defensive energy. My opponents will know I'm on the floor. This mentality just adds to the constant drumbeat from this offseason with Archie continuing to bring in players and coaches that fit the image of what he wants the program to become. We mentioned it with Trey Galloway, again with Anthony Leal, and again when Mike Roberts was added to the staff. Geronimo has truly come from off the radar to turn into a top 100 recruit, and while he still seems to be rather raw, it feels like it's a, a tough bet to go against a kid who's shown such tremendous improvement as a player in recent months that still approaches the game with this mentality of where he wants to impact the game. So while it sounds like he wants to make life miserable for his his opponents, I, for one, am looking forward to seeing him in the Cream and Crimson. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Jared has another week off. Last week, his excuse was preschool orientation. This week, he claimed to need the night off to handle bedtime duties for his daughter so that his wife can pace nervously without interruption during the Packers season opener. He says it builds goodwill for when the basketball season starts, and he abandons her for his internet friends three nights out of the week. Ryan won't understand, but I do. This is smart prep for the season. So to my left, he's a veteran high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, the founder of the Delphi Bracketology Club, the wizard behind Coach's Corner in the private discussion community, and still the only member of the Assembly Call team with his own theme music. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember fake hustle is a crime. All right, Coach, what's on your mind this week? Well, it, it has to be the uh, Geronimo uh, offer and, and acceptance of that offer uh, for Indiana, which brings the recruiting class to three. I'll second what you said about the mentality. I think it's been said a lot that getting Indiana guys who, who want to play the, the, the way that Indiana fans and the Indiana program has been uh, played before and, and what us fans would like to see. And I think we're building that. I still think that you need to get some top of the end talent in, in some of these classes. And then ultimately it comes down to things are going in the right direction, but then progress has to be made. And we're a month short of uh, practice starting and, and who's your hysteria. And then the season is a couple months away and we'll start to be able to evaluate uh, that progress in the basketball program. But I think the signing was pretty good, and I'm excited to hear uh, the, our discussion about the young man who's joining. And uh, the other thing was some uh, TV times came out and a lot of uh, noon games on Saturday, which I know Ryan uh, is not a big fan of. Uh, personally, a, a little selfish. That's, I get about a three- or four-hour block of time on Saturdays when uh, we have high school games, and that generally is about 11 to 3. So I can watch the Hoosiers from noon to two, 
Uh, but um, I know those aren't the, the prime time for Saturday starts on campus, but we'll see how that plays out. So news has been flowing now for three or four weeks about Indiana basketball, and it's uh, quite an exciting time. And to my right, he is a senior writer at the Big Lead. He makes outrageous claims on first dates like, seriously, babe, my ears are still ringing from being there for Marco Killingsworth's dunk. And most of all, he is the brash gunslinger of strong opinions that you love to hate because he makes Baker Mayfield seem like a wallflower. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what's your rant this week? Uh, that was an interesting intro. Really appreciate it. Uh, not not many first dates anymore, by the way. I'm just clear, clarifying that. Um I, yeah, I think that the 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 Geronimo commitment was the big news this week. I think that when you look at his style and and the way he plays and and what Archie Miller has been looking for from players that he's brought into this program, he f- sort of checks all the boxes. And he's not a finished product. And I think that it, we've seen guys like that at Indiana have real success. Uh, it, in their development is coming in as guys who are on the rise or, you know, under the radar and, and rising to, to, to a really solid status. You look at guys like, um, uh, Victor Oladipo, OG Ananobi, those are the ones you talk about. Um, but there have been plenty of others over the last decade that have really come in unheralded and, and risen through the ranks. Now he's a guy who has gotten this huge boost because he had this great summer and we'll talk about it a little bit in the scouting report, which by the way, folks, is going to be a little bit shorter than some of the other scouting reports because this is a guy who is just fresh on the scene. He's a guy who blew up this summer and had really been tracking as possibly a uh, you know a Division II, Division Three prospect and all of a sudden is now on a bunch of D1 teams' radars. But I think that the key is he got on campus at Indiana and he saw what the culture is at Indiana, what Archie Miller's building, and wanted to be a part of it immediately. There was no, you know, I'm going to go take all my other visits. There was none of that. He saw what was at Indiana and he wanted to be there. I think that's huge. Um, so I think that was really the biggest news to come out about the commitment is he got to Indiana. He didn't know a whole lot about the program. Didn't know, you know, just how crazy it was. He got there and boom, he wanted to be a part of it. So that, that speaks to what Archie Miller and um, the guys, you know, he's, he's working with in this program uh, have started to put together and how fans or how players and now fans are starting to see that this is something that people want to be a part of. Yep, I agree. All right, well, here's what we're going to talk about this week. Uh, first, we'll run through a handful of Hoosier headlines, including a couple of things about some of the uh, college preview magazines that are hitting uh, newsstands now. Uh, we'll break down Geronimo, as we mentioned, and that actually led to a slew of good recruiting-related questions uh, in terms of where IU goes next and, and kind of what this commitment means. So uh, while the scouting report might be a little bit shorter than normal, as Ryan said, there's still some different angles of that to hit. Uh, and then we'll wrap up by answering your questions, as we always do. Uh, all of that coming up this week on the Assembly Call. First, a word from this week's sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big, they feel like they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. But not SeatGeek. SeatGeek cares desperately about the satisfaction of their customers, which is why a quick glance at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. Why? Because SeatGeek delivers a better process for buying tickets. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, and then they rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. And the user interface communicates it all clearly by displaying tickets on an interactive seat map so you can see right where they are, and by using a color-coded system for value. Green dots mean good deals, red dots are overpriced. Oh, and every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the fastest and easiest way to find tickets. 
With three straight home games coming up for the football team, SeatGeek is the best place to look for tickets for any of those games that will not only get you into Memorial Stadium, but may give you a chance to, it may give you an excuse to go to tailgate with Coach. Can a brother get some coupons? Yes, yes, Chronic, you can. Best of all, SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off on your first purchase. That's promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off on your first purchase. All right, so this week's Who's Your Headlines, there's a handful of things. I don't know that any one of these is a, is a huge, uh, huge news, hugely newsworthy, but uh, I'll kind of run down the, the first couple. So exhibition game has been announced against Gannon University that I believe is in Pennsylvania somewhere. It will be October 29th at 7 Eastern. That will be the only exhibition, as I understand it, that IU will be playing. They did talk about playing a secret scrimmage, I believe, against Marquette, which I suppose knowing about it doesn't make it a secret, but um, that's been discussed. I think you... If you play in one of those scrimmages, you can only have one exhibition game, which was, I believe, the case last year. Uh, You had new rivals rankings come out for the commitments. Geronimo uh, was at 75, Anthony Leal at 109, and Trey Galloway 134. Uh, Had Freddie McSwain sign with uh, a team in the top league in Brazil, so Freddie continuing to uh, further his basketball career there. And uh, just today, or uh, maybe it was late yesterday, uh, IU made an offer uh, to point guard, 2020 point guard Andre Curbelo, is what I'll say. He's ranked number 52 in the 247 composite. So before we get to the, the preview magazine stuff, uh, Ryan, any one of those stand out to you more than the rest uh, or, or uh, you know, bring, bring something to your mind? Not really. I, I think it was a pretty basic week for news after the, other than the, the commitment. I mean, it was the kind of thing you expect sort of as you're amping up towards the season. You're going to get a couple headlines, nothing, you know, earth shattering. Um, I think the a secret scrimmage against Marquette would be great for IU. I really hope that does come to pass because I think that that's a team that's got some talented guys on it who can really score. And it would be a really good test of IU's defense uh, early, you know, in their preparations for the season. I think that'd be a great, uh, a matchup for a scrimmage coach. What about you? I, I was going to say the exhibition game and the secret, uh, scrimmage. Those are times for a coach to try out different rotations. The, the scrimmage setup is nice because a coach can work with Marquette and, and plan some different segments and time and score situations, uh, without the fans and television. So those things, uh, from my vantage point I, I like those because that can really help a coach get ready for uh, that first game and then obviously we're going to talk about the recruiting I think the offers to the point guards recently are telling uh, uh, Wit from uh, North Carolina who may reclassify uh, to the 2020 class the Curbelo uh, kind of gives a little hint to all of us that Archie really would like to have a point guard probably in in that class and shocking he that, mentioned- a former, that a former point guard wants to gra- add yeah. a point guard in recruiting and, you know, we were all surprised when he said four to six um, in his speech at, at Louisville. You're starting to see where that four and six, you know, three wings, a, a post maybe, and a point guard. So that, that's what I take from the, the headlines. Yeah, I would tend to agree. We talked about that a bit last week, some of uh, some of his comments. And I think the four to six caught people a little bit off guard. Uh, I think now you've certainly got the wing position pretty much locked down. So now I think it's if you can find a point guard, that would be one. We talked about that with having somebody uh, being able to back up uh, Rob uh, and potentially bridge the gap to, to Christian Lander if that comes to pass. Uh, one piece of that would be, you know, hopefully they don't and it doesn't seem like they have been, you know, really reaching for guys who are uh, not as highly ranked or may not fit as well. 
Uh, also talked about last week, you know, Al being Al Durham playing a little bit of that, you know, backup point guard role. So again, maybe it's a scenario where if you don't get somebody you love, you kind of use that as your your plan going into that year. And then I still think a post player, uh, Dawson Garcia, I believe, posted something tonight that he'll be narrowing his list down. Uh, that seems to be the name that most people are focused on. Uh, at this and there's point some people the who think guys. that Indiana has a really good chance with Garcia. And I just started hearing that this week. I hadn't heard that for a while. I've had a couple of people tell me that they think they have a really good shot with him. Yeah. So those that feels like kind of the the recruiting tea leaves w- would be that, you know, I, I would tend to think the six, uh, you know, that four to six, the six side of that always felt a little bit high, but uh, I think the um, five definitely felt like it could be in play. And I think if it does come to pass that it's five, I would guess the additions will be one, a point guard and two, a big man. Um, other thing to hit. So uh, I know Alex Bozich posted this uh, about the Lindy's preview magazine on uh, inside the hall today. So that's out. Uh, IU is picked 10th in the big 10 in that one. And uh, while I was out at lunch today, found the Athlon magazine somewhere had IU picked ninth. Um, I, you know, some of this is, I'm not sure no one has, no one that I know of has gone back to really measure the accuracy of these preseason magazines. So I don't know that it's worth getting, too hung up on it. I, I think a couple observations of just looking through um, the Big Ten pecking order in uh, in both those and comparing them. The first four were the same in both magazines. So it was Michigan State, Maryland, Ohio State, Purdue were the top four. Uh, and then Athlon had Illinois fifth, Michigan sixth. Lindy's was flip-flopped. And then you kind of look at the bottom and 12 through 14 or 11 through 14 was some combination of Rutgers, Minnesota, Northwestern, Nebraska, and each one. And it seemed like that seven to 10 range where IU falls squarely in is where everybody differed a little bit. So, um, and those teams in that range would be Iowa, Wisconsin, IU, Penn state. So I think when you look at it that way, in terms of the tiers and things like that, IU probably does fit in to that tier, whether they end up on the you know low end of that at nine or 10 and the high end of that at seven or eight, uh, I guess remains to be seen, but um, does seem like a little bit of a consensus at the top and the bottom of the league. It's just kind of the middle uh, where there's a lot of teams with question marks where uh, with Wisconsin, it's what do they look like without Ethan Happ? Uh, you know, Penn State had, you know, we have Lamar Stevens, some questions outside of him. I was, you know, status really hinges a lot on what uh, is going on with Bohannon. So kind of see those teams and, and IU certainly, as we've talked about all offseason has a lot of questions as well. So anything stand out uh, to you, Ryan, just in terms of, you know, Big Ten pecking order, we caught off guard by IU being, you know, ninth and 10th in those kinds of things, or does that feel reasonable to you based on what everybody knows right now? None of it matters. I mean, let's <laughs> the, the the minute the season tips off, those go out the window. Uh, I think that really these are typically based on the year before. I mean, there's a ton of players that IU has that these evaluators haven't really seen much of. I mean, Trace Jackson Davis, you've seen him in high school, but you don't know how he's going to translate to the college game. There hasn't been a lot of Deron Davis. You haven't seen Joey Brunk in a uh, you know, in an IU uniform, you haven't seen uh, race Thompson. You haven't seen a full season of Rob fantasy without a concussion uh, break in the middle. I, there's just so much that you don't know about IU right now. We know Michigan state's going to be good, but we don't know how good I, I, you know, I think that putting them at the top is obviously the way to go, but then there's some teams like Illinois is incredibly inflated. I really don't know why everyone is so high on Illinois, and, and it seems like it's just conventional wisdom and everybody's kind of jumping on that bandwagon when it comes to rating them early, uh, rating them high early. Um, but again, with IU, I'm not worried about them being ranked ninth or 10th preseason because there's so many players that haven't played key roles that will be playing key roles this year. 
Uh, and we haven't really seen what they can do. I mean, again, a guy like Reese Thompson could be a huge part of this team this year. And how much did he play last year? It's not much because he was injured, not because he wasn't good enough. Um, so I think you have to factor that in when you look at this. And what these guys can say and cover themselves with is, yeah, you picked IU ninth and they finished, let's say, just for example, they finished third. And you can say, well, yeah, but there were a lot of guys that we didn't expect to play or, or hadn't seen play, so we just didn't know. There's an easy cover there. And so they bury these teams that have any question marks at the back at the back end, and then it doesn't look bad when they you know, when those teams jump up. So you put the teams you expect to do relatively well and just pack them in the top because you don't want to miss there. And then that whole jumble from like fifth through 12th is a guess. And you just do it based on last year, pretty much. And that that's the way it is every single year with these magazines. I saw, I saw Dabo Sweeney say something today that when he was asked a question about how he handles all the criticism and he said when he was hired, all, all the media had him as a D-plus hire for Clemson. And and he just says, I just keep hold of that and remind me every day when I go to work that I was a D-plus hire, and it motivates me, and then all the other stuff I just flush. Well, that's kind of what Indiana basketball has to do. You can you can remind your team that no one thinks you're going to be any good and, and motivate you to get into practice and play well, but then not pay you don't pay much attention to it as a coach, really. Uh, and I will say to the fans that, you know, two years ago, it was Minnesota Northwestern coming off really solid years, and everyone thought they were going to be third and fourth in the Big Ten, and they fell off. And then last year with Indiana, everyone with Romeo coming in had some people had Indiana winning the Big Ten Conference and finished ninth. So every year there's there's some flip-flopping from the top to the bottom. But as a coach in a program, you may mention that to get a little fire going, but, you know, these this program needs to have fire no matter what. Uh, and and they don't pay too much attention to the magazines, and I don't think any of us should either. Yep, I would agree. Uh, one one positive note for IU, they did not have any players on any of the three all-conference teams in either one, but uh, Trace Jackson Davis was picked as newcomer of the year in both. So we'll end that, uh, then that segment on a positive note. So coming up on the assembly call, we're going to do our uh, scouting report of IU's newest commitment, Jordan Geronimo, and what that means for recruiting. We'll discuss that next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot, or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan, and welcome back to The Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast, or watch those replays and see all the between-segment banter, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni. And uh, I use commit Jordan Geronimo last week. Wanted to give a quick scouting report on him. As Ryan said, uh, based on, you know, his lack of history in, you know, kind of high level AAU or any of that, it's, it's not really easy to find a lot about him, but kind of the, the basics on him uh, listed at six six one ninety five from St. Paul's school in Concord, New Hampshire. Uh, consensus four-star prospect at this point and ranked on rivals 74, 247-85, and the 247 composite number 98. Uh, and Jared, as he was putting this together, did note that each of these rankings represent his debut in the rankings. So literally going from off the charts to top 100. Um, so 
certainly based on that, not being on a lot of people's radar, you know, Ryan mentioned that, that what he likes to do with, you know, some of the other guys is be able to go back to, you know, a year or two ago and kind of watch how they've developed. Uh, that is not really an option here based on what we have. So Ryan, I'll kind of turn it over to you first and then we can um, fill in based on, you know, some of the, you know, either his quotes about his game, which I thought he was pretty, um, seemed to be pretty self-aware, I guess, in, in terms of what he needs to improve on and, and wants to improve on. But, uh, you know, based on what you could find, what were your you know initial thoughts on, on him as a prospect? Well, I'll say that you're, you're right. Self-aware is a great word, a great, you know, phrase for him because when I watched him, I then read the interview and exactly what I thought he needed to improve or what he talked about needing to improve. Um, as you said, six, six, about 200 pounds that, I mean, just looking at him on tape, that's what he looks like. That's how he plays. Um, he has, I saw somebody in the chat mention it, huge hands, long arms has a seven foot wingspan, uh, really athletic, um, I wouldn't put him in the Victor Oladipo, Troy Williams athleticism range, but he's, you know, half a notch below that, which is still a phenomenal athlete. We're talking about two of the best athletes in, you know, IU has seen in the last 20 years. Um, so really an athletic kid, but the funny thing that, that I noticed, and I was expecting just a really bouncy athletic player um, who was going to have to develop every aspect of his game but you know got people really excited because of the athleticism and that's not him at all he he looks like a guy who really before he exploded as a player had to be a thinking player you know had to be a thinking yeah had to be thinking on the floor and and what you see from him is uh, he's got a really nice shot he's got a good release and rotation on the shot um i i i think that occasionally he rushes it um and occasionally you know, you'll see him jump on in, in his form. He'll be square to the basket and jump and sort of twist as he shoots. That's that's a thing that a lot of guys do. It's an easy hitch to fix. Um, and what what happens when you do that is your shot flattens out because you rely more on your arm than your body to to create the height on your shot. Uh, so you just see line drives with that. But the thing is, when he does it, his line drives wind up going in, and, and so that that tells you that there's there's a good release there. There's good rotation. He takes his time to get his shot off. Sometimes again. Another thing that's easy to fix. Um, what you have there is offensively is a lump of clay. He, he plays from the perimeter a lot, and it looks like he's either shooting three or dunking. It, there's not really an in-between game. Uh, not a great ball handler, not a great driver, but that and, and that was something that came up when I was watching films. Like, wow, this guy really needs to work on his ball handling if he's going to be driving through from the wing. First thing he said that he wanted to improve was his ball handling and and being able to accept screens with you know, while ball handling and get around guys and get to the hoop. Um, the fact that he's kind of fearless with his finishing and tries to go up and dunk on guys is, is, you know, that's half the battle as, as a, a guy going to the hoop is you can't be afraid of contact. You can't be afraid. Um, and he almost, it seems like, you know, reading his interviews, he takes pride in being able to dunk on people as opposed to, you know, going up to get fouled. No, you're, you're going up to finish. And if you get fouled, that's part of the process. And that's the mentality that guys have to have when they're transitioning from high school to, uh, to college. Um, I think the most impressive thing is his defense. I, I think the guy is really engaged defensively. Um, again, with those long arms, big hands, he's going to be a guy who can get his hand on the ball um, when he's playing defense. And, and and I think that you read the comments, uh, his comments about what Archie Miller said to him. He said, I, I'm bringing you in to play defense and, you know, we'll develop you into a great offensive player, but I, you're going to play immediately to play defense because you're so good defensively. And that shows up on film. 
He's always in the right position. He times block. Uh, he times his shot blocking really well. He reaches in, can knock balls loose. All of that stuff is present for him. And it looks like he's got great footwork too. And, and considering how off the charts he was and how far away from anybody's radar he was, that's impressive to be at that point. Um, as far as an athlete, as I said, probably a notch below uh, those top, top level athletes we've seen at IU, but that doesn't mean he can't reach it. And, and, and when he gets into with his body and his size and his length, when you get him into a college strength and conditioning program, that can take your athleticism to another level. And we've seen that repeatedly with players at IU. Um, thanks to the resources they put into player development, that's something that's going to, that's definitely going to help him move along. Uh, looking at him, I, I think that he's a guy who is all, I mean, there's really no ceiling on his game. There really isn't because he's just starting to unlock his ability as a basketball player. You talk about two, you know, you know, seven, eight months ago, this is a guy who people were talking about as a division two, II, division three player. And he is just blown up by showing up at big AAU tournaments and dominating and doing a great job. And, and, you know, it's better. It, it's, it's more encouraging when you see a guy go up the rankings because he's playing in these games and doing well than it is because he passes an eye test because he can jump out of the gym because he can do this, do that, whatever he's showing up and performing. And that has raised, raised his, um, you know, profile. And that's kind of a huge deal. Um, when you also look at the fact that he's on this incredible upward tra- trajectory, but that usually doesn't stop. I mean, it's not like guys, develop to a certain you'll come out of nowhere develop to a certain level and then stop developing he knows the hard work he's got to put in to continue to develop because he's done it already and, and i think that's the part that's most encouraging you read his comments he knows he has to put in the work to continue to get better because he's had to put in the work to get to this point so far so i think it's encouraging um obviously there's been some stuff about the matt cross commitment to miami and and geronimo and were they related whatever people are talking we're not going to know what the behind the scenes on that was, but I'll say this. When you compare the two, I will say this about Matt Cross. I think he's much further along right now as a player than Jordan Geronimo is. If you look at the ceiling, though, Geronimo's is incredibly higher. And and, and Cross is probably a low-ceiling guy who's kind of what he's going to be. He might get a little better, um, but he's kind of who he is right now, and maybe will get a little better, but he's kind of the player he's going to be. Geronimo is a guy who could absolutely just explode and be, you know, a, a, just a phenomenal player for Indiana. He could also, again, it's, it's the, it's the, the high ceiling, low floor kind of guy. I don't think he's got a low floor though. I think he's going to be at, at the very least, you're getting a good defender who can shoot from the wing at best. You, you could be getting a guy who can attack from the wing, like crazy shoot threes, defend and, and, and really develop into an outstanding basketball player for Indiana. So I think it's a great commitment for Indiana. You needed more wings. You got them in this class so far. Now you can focus on a point guard or a big man or whatever else you want to add to this class, but you've got a really good shooter in Anthony Leal, a sort of do everything wing and Trey Galloway. And now you've got a guy who is going to be a stellar defender uh, who's got some offense to, to um, go with it in, in Geronimo. And and I think that Geronimo is a guy who just looking at his trajectory, he's going to move up the rankings as the year goes and, and as he gets seen more. And I, I want to do, we talked about this with Jared in our uh, group chat that I, I want to do a uh, sort of a mid season update to his, to his scouting report. When we've got more film on him, we've got a better 
you know, grasp of how he's playing and be able to compare to his summer what he looks like during his senior year because there just isn't enough out there right now. But from what I saw, I love this kid. Yeah, I thought, you know, the quote you had about what or the, that you brought up about, you know, where what Archie told him about, you know, being able to be contribute immediately and play defense. It was a little bit, I guess a couple of things came to mind. You know, one is it's, I guess, refreshing and you, maybe it shouldn't be or you'd hope that it wouldn't wouldn't feel that way for for coaches to be really being honest with a player in that way and saying, look, this is your path to to playing time. But it's it's funny. I was listening to the Hoosier Hysterics interview with Brian Evans this week and you know, his initial thing was Knight was basically like, your thing is to set screens for Calvert Chaney because when two guys go after him, you're going to get wide open and make shots. So your path to play is set screens for people, be able to, you know, pop out and make open shots. So to me, it's a, it is a, you know, clear path to how he can get on the field. I think those from a skill standpoint are the things that will translate most immediately Uh, from a ball handling standpoint. I think part of his limitations are one, he's just relatively young in his development as a player. And two, uh, it, it sounds like for the most part last season, he really played in the post and they intend uh, to be able to play him on the wing a little bit more and, and hopefully he develops some of those skills. But uh, coach, what were your early impressions of, of what you've seen from him, uh, whether it be videos or what you've read? Yeah. Well, you know, there's really not a whole lot out there, but what you do see is, you know, a guy who is aggressive around the rim, and I think his game will develop because of his mentality. I'll go back to your banner moment. Uh, and the guys that Archie is bringing in have that mentality of getting on the floor, guarding people. Uh, you're going to need some guys that can put you know, the ball in the basket to, to be around these types of guys. But it is refreshing uh, to see a young man who is excited about coming in and playing defense, is excited about Indiana being a basketball school. And I've said this. Uh, over and over again, guys that want to come and play because it's Indiana will do a lot more, will work a lot harder and develop their, their weaknesses. But I think he can end up being a spot up three. And if he really can put the ball on the floor and go to the rim uh, by the time he's a sophomore, junior, that I think we're going to look back at this as being a really, really outstanding get for, for coach Miller. And, and you know, you, you, these guys can, I think uh, uh, Ryan, you said that in the text, three and D guys get paid and yeah. you know, he could explode I mean, to that at some point, if he can guard and then score outside and get to the rim, that, that could be a, a bright future. And I don't want to get everyone too excited because he's going to have to do it. I mean, yeah, and, this and is all just potential, to, but yeah. And he's going to have to develop, look, he's going to come in and he's going to be a guy that's going to be allowed to be a freshman. He's right. going to go on the floor and Archie, you know, was telling him, look, I'll, I'll give you minutes to play defense. But we're gonna have to develop you as an offensive player. So he's, you know, he's gonna have a chance to come in to be a freshman, not try and, you know, be forced into a starting role or anything like that. He's gonna come in and play a role, not be a star, and and that's gonna help him develop. He's gonna get on the floor, play defense, knock down some threes on offense. You know, add a little bit there. But as you said, you know, at worst, this guy's gonna be a three and D guy, I think. And and as you said, three and D guys get paid in the league now. I mean, and you his, play defense threes. Uh, what little film I saw, there's a little bit of hustle back on defense. And sometimes mm-hmm. you don't see that in AAU. Sometimes you don't see that with the top guys. You know, a, a ball gets loose going the other end and, okay, we'll get it the, the next time down. We'll, we'll play on offense. But he really, I think part of the reason that he has exploded is because he did all of those little things and has a pretty good uh, athletic body. As you said, not the greatest yet. Uh, and that has to develop in the weight room. But 
coaches love those little things. And if you can do those little things and guard and then have some potential to put the ball in the basket, that is an exciting player uh, to have in your program. Well, it's interesting because these three guys they've gotten, and, and I know that we think of wings as twos and threes. I really think of a wing as a three these days. And I think of kind of a shooting guard with how specialized shooting has gotten. I kind of think of Anthony Leal as just, he's a shooting guard. He's just going to be a shooting guard and he's going to be on the perimeter shooting. And then he's going to be moving the ball and, and playing defense. And you look at the two other wings they got though. And you look at Trey Galloway, who's going to be a guy who does all the little things and does all the things that make a team better, make a team better, not a player, but a team better. And then you get Geronimo, who's a guy with this skyrocket, uh, you know, up his butt running up the rankings because he's exploding as a, as an athlete and exploding as a shooter and, and, all of that stuff. And you get two different guys who can both fit different roles for you. And so it's a smart class when you put it together. I mean, if you were to get Matt and, and I know th- that, that people really liked Matt cross and I know that Archie really liked Matt cross, but Trey Galloway and Matt cross kind of do a lot of the same things. And, and, and they, they have that all around game now cross a bit more of a scorer, but it, it just feels like you've got a balance now of this explosive athlete who can shoot it and Trey Galloway being that guy who just does all those little things and those smart things that, you know, help you win basketball games. And then you got Leal, who's the guy who just shoots the lights, who can shoot the lights out and play defense. And I, I just think that there is a really good marriage here and it's, it's puzzle pieces fitting together as opposed to just stacking talent. And we've seen IU stack talent in the past and have it not work and have the pieces not work together. These are guys who, you could conceivably see all three of those guys on the floor at the same time. And so it's, it's a good just, recipe for getting old. You, yeah. With Finnessy's class and those guys there. And then uh, Armand fits that role. And now these three guys fit that role. You can get old and then put the talent around them. Do you think, Ryan, that, you know, we all like the most current recruit and it was Morton until he went elsewhere and then it was Cross. And yeah, but but really looking at it, uh, Geronimo and Cross in the similar rankings. Is, is there a you, you talked about the difference a little bit, but I'm almost thinking and again, it's probably biased that Geronimo might end up being better. Oh, of course. I, I think that there's no doubt that the difference between them, and as I said, was Cross is a high floor, low ceiling guy. He's a good player now, and he's going to contribute as a freshman. He can go out and get you points and 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 can you know do things now. Geronimo's a project, but he's a he's a project that people really believe in now after seeing what he could do this summer. He's a he's a low floor. I mean, there's a chance he comes in, doesn't get any better, and eh but he's getting highly ranked because of that ceiling. And he has a ridiculously high ceiling. And I use been to good at developing that kind of player. I mean, you, you know, I know the ones we talk about are Victor Oladipo and OG Ananobi or whatever. And, and those were under a different regime, but the emphasis that IU has put into player development under Archie Miller and under Tom Crean, there is an emphasis there. And, that blueprint print is there for how to get there as well. And so I think that when you look at Cross and Geronimo, you're comparing two different types of players. One can step on the floor and really help you right away. And the other one is a long-term guy who's going to, you know, he can contribute as a freshman, but he's contributing in a different way as a freshman that he's going to contribute as a sophomore, that he's going to contribute as a junior, that he's going to contribute potentially as a senior. 
he is a guy who's going to develop at an exponential rate if he's handled correctly. And I think that's what Indiana sees in him. And I think that's why he's vaulting up the rankings. It's not just where he's at today. It's where he's going to be in 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. Yeah, I think it, it's interesting. We got a few questions and you guys kind of brought up the 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 cross piece and then uh, Jalen Bridges also reclassified, committed to West Virginia within that time period. And some of the questions were, were phrased in a way that I guess if I read between the lines of what people were, were asking was essentially like, did IU settle uh, for Geronimo because they weren't, they weren't or didn't get the other weren't going to, or didn't get the other guys. I I'm hesitant to say that that's true. I think they all bring different things to the table and, and Ryan, to your point, what they'll be able to contribute from day one is, is different. But I do think having the, the basis of already having guys like Leal and Galloway, who you, again, you can, with each of those guys, and we've talked about this when we did their scouting reports, like here's what their path forward is to playing time. And they're solid, you know, solid players all within the, you know, roughly 75 to whatever, you know, 125 ish, uh, you know, range there. I do think you can, I think Archie probably also felt like, Hey, there's, we're getting to have enough depth that I can take a chance on the guy with a little bit higher upside and feel good about it and Mm -hmm. not feel like I'm settling because I can project forward, but maybe I'm, Maybe I'm one reading too much into the questions and two reading too much into the mentality of the coach, but I definitely just felt like people were like, "Oh, did they just go get this guy because they felt like they had to?" And I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily. The but case. the the young man didn't have to commit. I mean, he committed right after he visited. It, it wasn't up to IU saying you got to commit now because Cross told him it wasn't going to go. It might have factored in if you saw the tea leaves as a coach that Cross has visited elsewhere and the vibe you're getting is it's not going to work out. You, you, I could foresee a situation where you tell Geronimo, hey, you know, if, if you commit, we're going to take it uh, and, and kind of put that bug in his ear when he's there and say, you know, we also are looking at Matt Cross and he wants to play the three and the four and then Geronimo commits. And if, if like Ryan's evaluation is the higher ceiling, if the coaching staff liked Cross, but then – really kept evaluating Geronimo and thought that, okay, we got two guys like Leo and Galloway that can do similar things to cross. We can now shoot for a a so-called, not a project, but a good recruit that has some big upside. They might've forced the issue there a little bit, knowing they wanted to go heavy point guard. And and so I know that's one of the questions did, did, uh, you know, and then cross commits to Miami. Maybe he was told by IU that they, they, they were going to go one of the two and Geronimo committed it could have been that or cross told Indiana that he was going to commit elsewhere. And then they really pushed the issue with, with Geronimo, but Geronimo didn't have to commit uh, right away in that last scenario. Yeah. I look, we're never going to know how exactly it went down or, or who they were leaning towards or anything like that. Um, but you know, that that's the, this is the way it worked out and this is where we're at. So it, it really doesn't matter in the end. Um, I know people are always curious about the mechanics of that stuff, but um yeah, it's, you know, it is where it is, and the team is is where it is right now. And and they got the commitments they got, and they seem excited about it. And we have three commitments at this point so far, which is which is nice instead of having to wait. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you got a few in the clubhouse, and I think we kind of talked about this even when, you know, Leal committed that now you can really, you know, pare down your list a little bit and focus on the guys that you really want and see who you can get. And 
Now we got a question a little bit about that, which uh, I want to definitely hit after the break. So we'll take a quick break here. Uh, and when we come back, we will uh, talk through some questions, uh, including some recruiting, uh, a handful of recruiting ones, and uh, a couple of things looking forward to uh, next season. So we'll hit those next on the assembly call. Stick with us. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Thanks, Nick, and welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonson. And remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason, and after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. It's now time for our mailbag. All questions, as usual, submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can find out more about at assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, so, guys, this is the question that I wanted to hit um, kind of in relation to the last segment. And it was uh, it came in from James and, and says, essentially, with Cross going to Miami, uh, everyone feels to be really all in on Dawson Garcia rounding out the recruiting class. Um, it, just in general, what we talked about before, a lot of people wanting a big. Uh, while I agree you can never have too many bigs, would IU actually be that attractive to Garcia from a playing time standpoint? When he would arrive, he would have a senior Joey Brunk and a sophomore Trace Jackson Davis ahead of him. Uh, I guess potentially those guys could, you know, Garcia or, or Trace could play the four. Um, but that would be enough. But would that be enough to satisfy someone? They kind of said potentially the same logic applies to point guards when you look at uh, having Rob there. So, uh, Ryan, I'll go to you on this first. I mean, how much do you think those kinds of, you know, do you, do you see the presence of who IU already has in the front court as a potential deterrent to a guy like Garcia? Or um, do you feel like there's there's ways to make it all work? No, I think there's ways to make it all work. Um, I think that really you look at if you can get Dawson Garcia, you would probably sell him on being paired with Trace Jackson Davis and, you know, being like, look, there's plenty of minutes to go around here. And Joey Bronk would be sort of the swing man off the bench. I think that's how you would pitch it to him. Um, and I also think that if you're looking at, you know, the point guard situation, you can have multiple point guards on the floor. So I don't think Rob Finnessy is going to scare guys away. I think that a lot of these kids, especially the top level ones, they believe they're going to play if they go to college. They're not worried about the depth chart. Um, Caleb Love is not going to be worried about the depth chart. He's going to be like, oh, I'm coming in and I'm starting. I mean, that's that's the mentality these top level guys have. And I think Dawson Garcia would would have the same the same mentality. He's like, oh, I'm earning playing time. Like, I'm not I'm not going to sit on the bench as a freshman and just develop behind somebody. I'm coming into play. And so that's the thing when you go after those top level guys. I don't think you have to sell them on the depth chart unless there's you know like three five stars ahead of them that you know that's not going to scare them off. Um, so I think IU has stacked a lot of really solid good players who can develop. Uh, but when you're talking about a top level guy, that's a guy who's going to come in and play. It's like Tracy Jackson Davis this year. He's coming in to play. He's not coming in to sit behind uh, Bronk and Deron Davis. Now he might not start at, to open the season. But he's not coming in to sit on the bench. He's coming into play. And so I, I'm not worried about selling uh, him on playing time or Dawson Garcia not being able to beat out Joey Bronk or, or whatever. Uh, those guys believe they're going to come into play. 
Yeah, Coach, uh, any the thoughts on that for thing, me? The other thing, too, with, with that, yeah, the other thing, um, sorry, the other thing is that Archie's talking about playing two bigs or a bigger lineup and doing a lot more cutting and, and some screening type stuff, and they may have some room. Um, you know, some of those guys might be fours. We, we might not see it, but uh, with Joey Brunk, could you play him with some, uh, you know, some typical fives as, as more of a four? So it'll be interesting to see the type of offense that uh, Archie incorporates with a, with a lot more bigs now, and that might affect the recruiting. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, all right, this next one comes from Patrick. Uh, mentioned, he said, you mentioned that one key to Devontae having a great year is that he would be shooting guard only and he could focus on that role. Given the roster makeup, do you think others will also have more simplified roles? Uh, so basically, you know, kind of threw out a few examples, you know, Trace, you know, Race Thompson coming in with a specific thing to do. Um, you know, do you think that would help the team? To me, uh, this is Patrick, they should be able to slot everyone into a role in offense except for potentially Al, and he seems like the best to go back and forth between point guard and shooting guard. If possible, it seems like it could help a young team find an identity on offense. So, Coach, I'll, this this feels like a coaching question, so I'll uh, I'll hit you with this one first. Well, you always want to put your players in a position to succeed, and some people can handle a, a lot of different roles and a, and a lot of different jobs within the team. And I think we've all seen good Devonte and bad Devonte, and we we get bad Devonte when he gets going too fast and trying to do too many fancy things. Devonte catch and shoot, catch and get to the rim. Uh, if you draw defense, then make sure you make good passes and and make them with good fundamentals. So I think that really plays a, a role. And I know that basketball is now going to positionless basketball where people can play, and there's no true one, two, three, four, and five, but yet there are those spots and there are those things, a, a, a screener, a cutter, your shooter, your point guard that you want to fill on a team. And really, if you can simplify those things, then people can play the game instead of thinking, and they're not overmatched. Uh, you know, we had an undersized five for the last two years who played really, really hard, but that had to be tough on him at times. Uh, and so now you got you got three centers and you got some guys who can play the four. And I just think simplifying the game frees people up. So I would say that overall, that's, you're going to see some more of that. And I think that's ultimately a good thing. All right. Next one came from Jack. I want to make sure we get to this one. I don't know when this, uh, this, this pick is happening. So Jack says, share a pair of season tickets with two other couples this year. We have the first pick. What game would you pick first? So, uh, you know, potentially, yeah, potentially biased because we have we have all but confirmed that uh, our meetup will be at the Purdue game on on Saturday, February eighth. So, um, Jack, be there. Yeah. So I would say, I, I, well, I'll go to you, Ryan. First, is that the is that the slam dunk yes. obvious answer? Even, yeah. Even it, outside it, of it, even outside of us being there. So take that. It's aside. a home game against Purdue. You're taking that. Hey, just there's no question. You're taking the home game against Purdue. Come on. Uh, and then you get to meet us afterwards. So, I mean, is there any question about it? Do it. It's, it's tough. It's a tough call. Coach, do you uh, feel the same way or any other any other ones stand out to you? If, if you have first choice, you got to take Purdue. Uh, the only other one would be Michigan State. You know, the, the national title contenders, uh, that atmosphere will be good as well. But that would be a great second choice. I, I think anytime you can get in the building, and uh, at face value for Purdue, and if you're splitting those tickets, you got them at face value. You gotta, you gotta go with that. Do it. 
Yeah, I would agree. I think the only other, yeah, they're, they're really from a non-conference standpoint, I think feel like somebody asked us one of these questions last year and there were more non-conference games that really would have been in contention, but I don't think Florida state moves the needle all that much or, uh, or Arkansas. So, uh, those would be tough. And then if you look at, you know, kind of the other top big 10 teams, Ohio state Saturday, January 11th, uh, Maryland, uh, Sunday, January 26th. And then, uh, that Michigan state game coach said Thursday, January 23rd. So yeah, I'd probably go Purdue, Michigan state is the first two. And then if you get another pick and you can get one of the Maryland or Ohio state games, those would probably be the other ones I would go to just cause they would, would seem to be the, the other best teams in the big 10. So would make for the best game. Uh, I just hope this isn't a snake draft. Because then he's going to be out on. You're going to be, gonna be, out yeah, on you're gonna be rough, and you're not going to be able to get those. Yes, I don't know. I was not given the parameters of the draft, so it makes it. It does make it a little bit difficult. Um, all right, coach, I'll throw this one to you. Walt, Walt threw this one out with Jordan Geronimo in. What are some other classic names of IU players? He threw out AJ Moy because it was so perfect for the chant. That name, in and of itself, was was good, was fine, but the chant really made it. Uh, really made it. So, any any names in IU history stand out to you? Finkelmeyer. Oh. I mean, he was a walk-on. That's a great name, Finkelmeyer. Um, man, I don't know. I Uwe Blob is always a is always that. a good classic. Blob name. is a good name. Classic. Um, yeah, I'm going Finkelmeyer on that one. Yeah, that's not a great that's a answer call. at all. But uh, yeah, I, there's some there's some great ones out there. Was I? Th- I always thought that uh, DJ White was a good basketball name. Just a very solid basketball name in the AJ Moye way. I mean, it didn't, it didn't fit the chant as well, but it's just, you see, you hear DJ white, you know, that's an athlete, you know, that's an athlete. <laughs> Peter Jerkin got a lot of play in the small amount of time. He was that's in the true. program from <laughs> the opponent far more, far more for his name than for his game. So that is, yeah. that is definitely the case. All right. Well, I think that's going to, I think that's, that's gonna it. Do it. We're done. No more questions. All right, and so that will do it, as we said, uh, for this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music you heard on tonight's show, and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday night. Until then, take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.